Hello and welcome to another episode of the Tennis Fanlist podcast. I'm hosting Marcus Ali. I'm joined by Michael Gillett and we're both very enthused by the prospect of a non-Spanish, non-Rafael Nadal winner of the men's French Open singles. Um, an absolutely incredible match against Novak Djokovic. Arguably the two best players of all time slogging it out on Philippe Chatrier last night. It really was incredible and it really does... Give us a little spring in our step, I think, when we when we go ahead to to preview the, the two singles finals in this episode. How are you doing, Michael? Yeah, as you said, pre-pod, hungover on a, that that tennis match last night. It sort of put me through my paces a lot. Um, there's sort of everything went on in it. And I think the main thing we can take from it is the two of them were playing their best tennis. So often we see the two of them come up against each other and one is off of it and the other one just walks. They had one, i.e. The, the French Open final last year, um, but they were at their absolute best and, and it's got to be one of the best matches I've ever seen, possibly the best. So just to kick off this episode, we are going to look back on that second semi-final in the men's draw between Djokovic and Nadal. Then we'll go on to the women's to look ahead of today's final and look back on those really epic semi-final matches before going back over to the men's side to preview that final. But just while we're at it, yeah, Djokovic versus Nadal. Nadal, five love up in the first set. How significant do you think that little rally where Djokovic managed to win, I think it was three games on the bounce, uh, held his serve twice and got that one break to make it to a, a respectable 6-3 loss in that first set. How significant do you think that was as a turning point and just just giving him the belief because it really looked worrying at, at five love down. I know Djokovic had opportunities. I think he had break points in the very opening game of the match and Nadal managed to defend them and sort of, yeah, go on that little procession to, to the five love lead. But yeah, it does feel like that must have increased the Serbs' belief tenfold going into the rest of the match even though of course he did go on to lose the set yeah it was huge absolutely huge I remember saying to you at the time after the first set on our DMs uh, that that little uh, attempted comeback from Djokovic was uh, massive for him um, and it, it really was it really showed um, I think at five love up uh, Nadal I think uh, your message to me uh, was you know, can't be bothered with this onslaught. My reply to that was, I know, uh, it exactly felt the same. Um, it looked like it was going to be the same. You, you felt that that first game of the match where Djokovic uh, could have broken the Dow, you just felt that was his chance just come and gone and all in that first game. And from then on, because he'd lost that game, it was done. And um, But then maybe we're just being naive, you know. It's, it's only Djokovic that can, can do what happened yesterday. Um, go a set down to Nadal and, and, and still a fairly one-sided set on the balance. I know Djokovic managed to win three games at the end, but if you look at the whole picture, the whole thing on balance, Nadal dominated him in, for most of that set. Um, so to come back, no other player can do that. Um, and, and that's not just a figure of speech. There is no uh, other player in the game that has done what Djokovic has done. Um, which is beat refer at Roland Garros. He's now done it twice. I think we can fairly say it's the first time that the real Rafael Nadal has been beaten at the French Open. Um, last time Djokovic did it, Nadal was seeded sixth, I think, um, and had not really been having a great year. I think sort of injury 
problems, um, wasn't coming in with a lot of confidence. Um, and Djokovic actually beat him in straight sets. He kind of turned him over quite easily. Um, the Nadal were lost in 2009 to Sodling, despite already having won the title three times. He was still quite a young Nadal. Um, I can't do the maths in my head now uh, as to, to how old he would have been. I'm going to go for early 20s. Um, but, you know, it's still still a young Nadal. And, and Soderling, um, you know, found, found a, a hole in his game at that point. But this is the first time we've seen the real Rafa Nadal at the French Open, who, who we know and, and love to watch uh, lose. Um, so, yeah, but back to your original point, I think that um, that first set was massive. Uh, even though Djokovic lost it, I almost feel like looking back, Djokovic kind of won that set, if you know what I mean. I don't, I don't know. It doesn't really make sense, but I, I think you know what I'm saying. Yeah, I think important to recognise that, yeah, big kudos to Sodalin for getting that win, but Nadal have uh, retired in that match. So Djokovic uh, has beaten him in the only two completed losses that, um, that Nadal's had at, at Roland Garros. I'd, I'd actually drafted a tweet, little shameless plug is at Tennis Fan List on Twitter, of Nadal to win the first set 6-1 when he was serving for it in uh, in that first set. And it was more of a tone of, yeah, I think we've, I think we've seen this one before. But, you know, Djokovic getting those three games on the bounce after going five love down did uh, did sort of make me think maybe, maybe we are going to see a, a different episode today. And uh, yeah, uh, Nadal didn't retire against Sodling. Um, I think you're thinking of um, there was another year, I can't remember which year it was, but he pulled out injured before a match. Uh, I think he's meant to play Vadasco and he pulled out injured because of some injury. But yeah, no, Sodling did beat him on four sets. So oh, I've, I've done that. the Swede, I've done the Swede a disservice then. Robin Sodling deserves a lot more uh, credit. I think he did go on to make the final that year as well. Uh, so yeah, very very impressive on the clays was was the Swedes. But yeah, back to uh, yesterday's match and yeah, just just as, as as we go into our match review, just talking about what you said about the first set. Did Djokovic really win that first set? Um, in, in terms of the conclusion of the match, obviously in hindsight, much much easier to say that he did. But the second set never looked in doubt. Um, I'm pretty sure he broke quite early on. It was quite, it was a bit of a ding-dong battle. I think they broke each other at least kind of twice uh, each before before uh, Djokovic went on to take that second set. But that one really did look like there was a mo- real momentum shift and he was, was able to ram that home to, to take the second set 6-3. My main nerves going into the third set obviously went to a tie break. It was a dramatic, I think it was an hour and 37 minutes the third set. That's Probably the longest set I can remember ever watching, apart from uh, Isna Mahu, or something that's gone on uh, like longer than uh, thirteen games. Um, so yeah, what, what did you make of that set? It was ridiculous. Going into that tie break, I was I was kind of my mindset was still probably quite uh, negative. Was that uh, if Nadal takes this, he'll steamroll the fourth set? But Obviously, it went differently, but that did feel like a, a really, really huge moment because obviously Rafa hasn't been pushed at the French Open for a very long time. He hasn't had to play a fifth set in a very long time. So to go two sets to one up and plant the seed in his mind that he's going to have to go to five to to win the match was was really, really significant for me. Yeah, I think the only other set that really stands out to me as, as being longer than that one would be the um, final set of Djokovic-Federer. Uh, at the Wimbledon final, but obviously that being a 12-all a set, it's not really comparable, um, it, like the Isla Mahu set, which 
I don't think it's comparable to anything. I, uh, yeah, that tiebreak is is mightily impressive uh, that, that Djokovic was able to to pull that off. Um, he would have been uh, perhaps uh, a little bit frustrated. He both he led that set. Um, he was actually two points away from winning it. Uh, he was serving at five four up, and I think was thirty love up or maybe thirty fifteen up. Uh, yeah, sorry, thirty love up. As you can can see now. Um, and um, he he was two points away from winning, and he hit a couple of dodgy shots. Nadal ended up breaking him in that game. Then went on to save a set point against uh, Nadal in that final game, and and then win that tiebreak seven four. I think though we can quite easily be surprised that he's able to do that sort of thing against Nadal. I do think that only Novak Djokovic can do those kind of things on the tennis court. I think maybe Roger Federer as well back on the day, uh, in the day, sorry. But um, just to, to be able to do that from, from going from so close to winning that third set to then having it almost taken away from you. And I, I don't really have a doubt that if Djokovic had lost that third set, he doesn't win the match, uh, surely. Uh, I, I know it's hard to it's hard to say now, and it is Djokovic. Maybe I shouldn't doubt him, but uh, that tiebreak definitely swung the match because Nadal played fantastically in that third set, and by that fourth set, Nadal was a level lower than he had been for the whole game match. That's the only point in the match I would have said that Nadal did drop the level of his game a little bit, uh, and, and that's as a result of Djokovic winning that third set and. Djokovic was still fantastic in the fourth set, but I think it just sort of was where the pendulum swung, um, really. And Nadal just kind of lost it a bit after that tie break. So I think in a way you could almost see this tie break win as, as, as sort of sealing in the match, maybe, because Nadal wasn't in it after that. Yeah, I think even though if you didn't watch the match, um, you know, you see a four sets, four sets win for Djokovic, you see the last set being 6-2. And it makes it look quite comfortable and it makes it look like that third set was was the main one where they were both sort of right at the top of their game. But that just wasn't the case. I mean, if you just look at the times, 6-3 Nadal first set, an hour. <laughs> an hour for a 6-3 set. Um, then 54 minutes for Djokovic to take the second 6-3, which we were saying basically was the, was the one where if it, it felt like he, he was going to win that ever since um, ever since the start of the set. So just did have to gruel it out in 54 minutes. Um, it, it's slightly strange. Then, of course, the 7-6 and then, yeah, a 6-2 in 41 minutes. Um, I mean, th there weren't even that many juices, to be honest, in the first sort of two, three sets. It's just the rallies were going on forever on every point. Um, it really was incredible. Um, so many lovely exchanges at the net. Hardly any points were finished off because of an error. It, it felt like you had to earn every single point. And that just leads me on to my next question for you, um, which obviously is one that there isn't really a right answer. But I'm going to ask you, is that the best performance we've ever seen from Novak Djokovic? Hmm. It's a good question. I, I'd say... Um... Of course, you've got to remember sort of recency bias, um, I suppose, when considering that. Um, for me, the one that always will really stand out is the, the 2018 Australian Open final where he completely blew Rafa off the court. He was absolutely unplayable. And I think he's described that a few times before as, as his best performance. But I think the difference is that Nadal couldn't compete with Djokovic on that day. Djokovic was so good that he, he didn't get 
so much thrown back to him because of how good he was. Whereas yesterday he was very good and he still had a lot coming back at him, which I think probably makes it a better performance maybe um, because he's had a, an actual challenge against him uh, to overcome. I'm, I'm not saying that obviously Nadal in the 2018 final was still, of course, a challenge, but, um, you know, it was so one-sided and I think Nadal almost maybe had not given up, but, you know, the writing was on the wall from the beginning, whereas this match was in the balance for so long. Um, so, yeah, I've, I would hesitantly say yes to that answer. Um, it's one of those things that you can't really measure, um, but it, it, it was ridiculously good. Uh, Diego Schwartzman actually tweeted during that match um, sort of a bit of frustration at, at just how these two play a completely different sport to the rest of the players. And, and you know, if you think of someone in Diego Schwartzman's uh, position, who actually, as you said, said a couple of days before that he'd like to play Djokovic at the next French Open as if it's an easier match. Well, I think he might watch that and hope that he plays Nadal at the next one. Um, yeah, it, it honestly was amazing. And I think one thing um, important to mention in, in terms of the atmosphere of this match is that... Uh, what a story about President Macron uh, calling up the French Open and telling them to keep the fans in regardless of the curfew. Now, that's a very interesting decision considering you're, you're the president or prime minister of a country. President? I'm not really sure. No, president, of course, isn't it? Um, you know, it's very interesting that he's done that. And I reckon there are a lot of sort of non-tennis fans in France who were quite miffed by that. Um, but um, I think it was a massive, massive decision um, to work in favour of this match because no one really wanted that match to end without fans on, uh, even if it was only a, a half full, maybe a little bit more than half, not sure. Um, Philippe Chatteret, it was a great atmosphere. Um, I must confess, I had to have it on mute a lot of the time because my house uh, were having the football on. Uh, so I was watching the tennis on mute. But when I, when we did have the sound on during halftime and it concluded after the football, uh, the atmosphere was was just phenomenal. And I'm very pleased that fans got to uh, to see the end of that. But back to your question, I, I would hesitantly say yes. What, what would you say? Well, I think the context probably plays into it a bit more than you'd expect trying to answer <laughs> trying to answer that question obviously it's Rafa on Chatrier so it's that instantly puts it maybe not on a different level but in a different league um like we were saying in, in the billing before this match you know 105 wins and two losses it's got to be like the biggest challenge in sport to, be, to beat Rafa on Chatrier um so, yeah, it's an unbelievable win. And and another thing that stands out for me is that I thought Nadal played really well. I thought he played a cracking match, to be honest. So many win winners whipping that forehand up the line. Just, Djokovic couldn't live with him at times, which is why Nadal was able to, even when we felt like the pendulum was swinging in the way of Djokovic, was able to rob games off him, was able to break back. And, of course, as you said, like had, had set points in that third set. So purely for that, I would probably say yes, just because of the level that Nadal goes to on a clay court compared to any other player on any other surface. You know, you've got Roger at Wimbledon, you've got Novak Djokovic at the Australian Open, but they're nowhere near 13-time champions. So I know he's 35, but he was still producing wonderful tennis last night. So 
I would probably say, yeah, <laughs> maybe, you know, I'm still pretty high off, off that match last night, to be honest. I was considering looking for odds on uh, Djokovic to win all four slams in this calendar year. But um, yeah, it's, I, I think we've got, we've got to give it to him <laughs> to beat Rafa on Chatrier is an unbelievable achievement and, and such a huge test. It really is the, the pinnacle of, of sport, in my opinion, um, the dominance that he's had over sort of 15, 16 years is unbelievable. So to do it last night, maybe maybe the, maybe the it won't go down as his best performance if he loses to Sitsipas tomorrow, but that shouldn't really pay into it in terms of a performance on its own. Uh, so yeah, probably have to agree with you and say, yeah, it's the best we've ever seen from Novak. Yeah, I think just a couple of points um, you made on that. Firstly, with Djokovic, uh, when you say possibly winning all the stands this year, um, I, worked, I was thinking about it, if he wins Wimbledon, uh, he would actually be going for the record at the US. If he wins Wimbledon, uh, him, Nadal, and Federer will all be. And on if he 20. wins tomorrow, it's not. It's not. It's not. Sorry, of course, of course, of course. You know that's not right. Since pass off, if he wins tomorrow, uh, and then wins Wimbledon and and wins the US, he'll, he'll be going for the record at the US. Sorry, um, and and will break it, winning it. Also, I, don't, I think it's the first time he would have won all four Grand Slams in the same year. Um, I think he may have held them all at the same time at one point, but on a, on a calendar year, it would be the, the first time. And I'm not even sure Federer's done that. Well, no, he wouldn't have done because, of course, um, he would have only won the French Open one time. Um, yeah, and, and I think Djokovic also playing the Olympics this year. So, um, you know, calendar Grand Slam and an Olympic gold medal, maybe. Uh, what a year. Um, the other thing I was going to say is that, um, you know, we, we always try and, push up the younger players on this podcast. We don't want to just sort of be a podcast of like the, the big three and that we, we, we spend time sort of talking about the tour events and, and talking about your sort of players ranked sort of 40, 50 uh, who might, who might be coming up and everything. And, and I think that's one sort of unique point that we, we like to have, but I think, you know, that morning after the Massetti loss to Djokovic, I was being a bit, uh, being a bit pessimistic uh, about, you know, these two still being about. But when you watch matches like tonight, uh, last night, sorry, if someone tells me anytime soon that they don't want to be seeing Rafa Djokovic still in sort of three, four years' time, you know, it's really hard to agree with them. You know, as much as you want to see these younger players come up, it's just a new level of entertainment. I, I don't think I've ever can see a, a better matchup on court and a more entertaining matchup. I mean, Nadal and Sitsabas have provided two amazing matches this year, but it's not the same because, you know, with no disrespect to Sitsabas, it's not the same because Djokovic is who he is and 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 they, yeah, I, I, I don't know what else to say. The, the other point, the last point I was going to make in this bit was that it's important to remember that the last time Djokovic beat Nadal at the French Open, he didn't go on to win the tournament. Uh, and I know we'll get on to Sitspas after we've done the women's. Um, but Sitspas and Ravrinka are quite similar players, I think, in terms of their, their, their playing style. Um, they like to play with a lot of momentum, the two of them. I think Ravrinka, you definitely call a flair player. I don't, I don't know if you call Sitspas that because I think he's, he's more than that. But um, I do think, you know, it, it's definitely important not to see this as, as winning the tournament for Djokovic. I think he's got a massive task ahead of him Sunday. Yeah, just to wind up the uh, waxing lyrical about last night's match, I think just another reason to put it into perspective. This is a 
a strange kind of prediction that I'm going to make, but just off the face of it, I, I don't see us um, seeing a, a 13 time French open champion in the rest of our lives, to be honest. Um, tennis isn't that long of a career. You know, you usually get 15 years max at the top of your game. So to win it 13 times is an absolute joke. Uh, and I, I, I don't think we'll ever see that again. So I think that just uh, sort of weighs more into my argument that that was the best performance ever from uh, from Djokovic. Um, yeah, of course, we're, we're going to move on to the women's now. So I and, just want, want to amazing... say one more thing. Just one more thing on yeah. that coming to my head. Of course, go for it. Um, you know, you watch a performance from that, like Djokovic last night, and you think, how on earth has this guy only ever won the French Open once? You know, and obviously it's a testament to Nadal, but Djokovic and Federer have only won that tournament one time. Djokovic won it the year that Nadal wasn't there. Um, you know, not taking it away from me, he still won it, but um, he beat Andy Murray in the final, which, you know, is probably not quite as big as beating Nadal. Um, and, and Federer won it the year that Sodling beat Nadal. So, you know, that, that you, you watch possibly the greatest tennis player of all time in Novak Djokovic, pulling off one of his best wins ever, possibly his best performance ever, as we've been talking about. He's only won this tournament once. Um, so I think, if anything, he'll be as hungry, if not more hungry, than, than Sitsipas on Sunday. Yeah, so I think that can can conclude our waxy lyrical about that match. Uh, Going to wrap it up, but I, I mean, I'm sure we, we could sit and talk about that match for ages. And maybe we will reminisce about it in years to come. Um, yeah, simply outstanding, Novak Djokovic putting out Nadal in the men's semi final three six. Uh, where am I looking? Yeah, three six six three seven six six two. But onto the women's now, and we've got a final ahead of us today. It's Bar- Bar- Barbara. Krychikova. I was saying Krychikova in the last episode, but the commentators are saying Krychikova, so I'm going to go for that one. Versus Anastasia Pavlichenkova, the Russian. Uh, so we've got a Czech playing a Russian. Uh, we've got Krychikova, 33 in the world, Pavlichenkova, 32. So I'm sure they both want to try and uh, overtake each other. I'm sure they'll both be pushing, probably break inside to top 20 comfortably um, after this tournament. What, just what do you make uh, about about this final just from the outset? Uh, we'll go on to talk to this about the semi-finals afterwards, but just what your initial thoughts? Obviously, Krychikova winning in, in such dramatic fashion over Maria Sakkari in her semi-final. Pavlichenkova getting it done over Zidane's second, more straightforward fashion. But yeah, just what, what's your initial thoughts going into this one? Yeah, well, I, I know we'll, we'll talk about the semi-final, but I think it's so impressive that Krychikova... Um, went on to win that considering the um, the situation she was put in where she thought she'd won it. Um, she hadn't won it. Uh, it looked like the call was wrong as well um, by, by the Hawkeye possibly that the commentators see. Um, yeah, I found it a little bit strange, the narrative on that, because obviously it got called out and then a lot of people justifying how she should have won via a Hawkeye replay which we all know has margin for error. Meanwhile, the umpire has literally gone and stared at it with his own eyes from about like a, 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 like a few inches away. Why are we saying that Hawkeye is more accurate than literally going right over to it when we know Hawkeye has margin for error? So just 
it was yeah. a bit strange to me how they were justifying how she should have won just via a Hawkeye I... call. When even her re- even her reaction to the umpires overall was more of disappointment than anger. Yeah. I think she was kind of like fair enough, but obviously yeah. I'm a bit. In yeah, the... no, I, okay, no, no, point taken. I think that the the point I'm I'm sort of trying to make is that you know to to come from that you know being in that position where you thought you've won, you know, you hear that first initial call, you think you've made that your first Grand Slam final. Um, yeah, it's going to be an interesting final. I've been um, doing a bit of reading up uh, this morning and I'm um, really interesting. And this shows how open the women's game has been uh, over the last few years, more than ever. Um, it's actually the, the eighth time uh, an, an unseeded player has made the final at Ronald Garros. Um, the, the unseeded player, of, of course, being Krajicova. I think Pavlyuchenko is the 31st seed. Um, and um, of those eight times that an unseeded player has made the final at Ronald Garros, four of them have come in the last five years. Um, the only two winners being Ostapenko in 2017 and Swiatek last year. Um, so, yeah, I think it could be a really interesting final. It's certainly not a final that we were expecting. Um, Pavlyuchenkova had, has, of course, made six quarterfinals, I believe it was, before uh, this tournament. Krajcikova uh, is only actually playing her fifth Grand Slam singles event, um, which, you know, is really impressive. She's actually a, a two-time Grand Slam doubles winner and has been ranked the, the highest-ranked doubles player in the world uh, when she was only the age of 23. So it's an interesting route Uh into doing well at singles. I can't really think of any other player, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, if anyone pops into your mind, but I can't really think of any other player that's had success at doubles before. Yeah, she's actually in both finals, uh, so she could do a clean sweep. She's in the women's doubles final uh, against Sviontek and Matek Sands uh, in, in the French Open as well. So it could really be an unbelievable tournament for by Barbora Krajcikova. Wow, I must confess, uh, as, as a tennis podcast or I probably should have known that uh, don't really pay attention to doubles so much I don't think we have any shame in admitting that uh, we, we don't brand ourselves as a, a, a doubles tennis podcast um, but um, okay no that's interesting um, she she obviously has found it really useful um, her doubles play to, to go on and do well in the singles because and obviously it's hindsight but you 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 would you would have to think that those two Grand Slam doubles wins before, uh, both coming in 2018, and, and that number one doubles ranking has surely given her confidence uh, to go ahead and, and do do really well and possibly even better in the singles game. Uh, she's achieved that at so young. I'm sure the sort of singles was always the main the main goal for her, but I, I, I don't know that. Um, but yeah, it's um, was so impressive that she's done it. I mean, it's not quite sort of eager Swiatek of last year, who really, really was just a very unheard of player who just turned up at the age of 19 and blew everyone away. But um, it's definitely looking towards that. Um, and, and obviously Swiatek, uh, we could get consecutive unseeded winners of this tournament. Pavlyuchenkova um, actually is coming into this match uh, as the slight underdog, uh, which I'm, I'm surprised to see. Um, by the uh, by, the the odds that have been put out, um, having you know, she, she has got slightly more pedigree on the singles court so far than than Krajcikova. Uh, she's actually nearly been a top ten player before she reached a career high of thirteen. 
Um, and of course, has, has been in those Grand Slam quarterfinals before, whereas Kochikova, I'm not actually sure, had been past the third round uh, before being uh, her fifth Grand Slam. So, um, yeah, it, it's a really hard final to preview, to be honest, because uh, I, I don't want to try to be playing it safe or anything, but uh, considering how much, how many upsets we've had in this tournament, I, I, I just really don't know how it's going to go, to be honest. But um, I think for, for me, Krejcikova is, is possibly playing a slightly better tennis. Yeah, I'm not sure. Obviously, it was more of a spectacular semi-final win from Krejcikova. And I think she's a consistent kind of methodical player. I don't think she's got really many outstanding weapons. She's not the most powerful. Um, she was having quite a lot of trouble with her ball toss in the semi-final against Zachary. It was a both players were troubled for long periods of that match and the Czech obviously was able to come through the other side of that. So given the four years more experience and a lot less time on court in the semi-final, I am going to edge towards Pavla Chenkova here, but it's going to be interesting because it's a first time meeting between the two players as well, which um, of course makes it even more open, even more unpredictable. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm going to narrowly push for Pavla Chenkova in three. Um, I just think she's a bit more solid, to be honest. Uh, in a, I can't, who did she play in the quarterfinal? I think it was Elena Rybakina. Um, and yeah, it was, yeah. And, and she just stood out in that match. Rybakina was probably the better player, the tw young 21-year-old, but couldn't really keep the consistency. And Pavlachenkova went on to win, I, th I think, 9-7 in, in the last set. And yeah, she's just good at controlling her own side of the court. Um, not letting anything affect her, she's, you know, no lapses in concentration. Um, she's got, you know, a decent forehand, a decent serve when it's firing. And I think if Krychikova plays the match that she played against Sakari, it won't be enough. Um, and seeming as that's the main match I've seen from her, that's probably what I'm going to go off. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to go for Pavlachenkova in three. I just think at 29... The experience, you know, she's been in the second week of slams. This is her seventh time in the second week of, of a slam. Um, so I just think she might have a little bit more resolve uh, when it comes to, to the tricky moments and, and the big points. But it is wide open and I'm sure Krychikova will, will be optimistic about her chances of, of taking a maiden slam crown. Yeah, um, and it's important to remember uh, uh is on uh, an 11-match winning streak, having won a title in Strasbourg. So I uh, did come into this tournament with, I beg your pardon, a lot of uh, confidence. Um, I, I don't have the, the style desperately trying to have a quick look uh, at, at stats now, but I'm wondering if uh, Pavlyachenkova might go on to a, a list, maybe a top 10 list of the oldest first-time winner of a Grand Slam. Um, at the age of 29, I can't think of too many women in recent years that have won their first Grand Slam at, at the age of 30 or over. I know obviously we've seen Serena Williams winning them late into her 30s, but of course she, she did have uh, that. I'm, I'm quickly sort of scrolling through. If I do find that in uh, Marcus's next piece, I, I, will, uh, I will say, but if I don't say anything, that means I've I probably failed. Um, but yeah, I, I'm going to go for Krychikova in three sets. Um, but, you know, it's really, really unpredictable final as as the whole sort of women's tournament has been. And I think it is really uh, good to see um, when, you know, on the men's side, you, you've had the dominance of, of your Nadal's and your Djokovic, which 
it does make you for really good entertainment, like I've been saying. But I do think there's also a lot of value in coming into a tournament and really not knowing what's going to happen. And I, I do feel this French Open, especially we on the women's side, we, we really have been faced with that. And to think, you know, over these last five years, uh, across those 10 finalists uh, in five years, you, you've got nine different people. So there's, a, there's only one person uh, who's made two uh, French Open finals in, in the last couple of years. So um, that that's an amazing statistic of, of just how open the, the women's sport is. And if one of these can can win this title and, and get some form together, they'll they'll really hope that they can maybe start to become dominant on this surface and, and, and take it into the future. So both predicting a decider, uh, a deciding set. So yeah, we're both predicting a, a close one. So make sure you don't miss it. I think it's about two o'clock British time. Uh, the women's singles final should be really exciting. Two players really desperate to get their first crown, really chomping at the bit. To, uh, to, to really cut their teeth at the real top level of women's singles tennis. Uh, so I think that concludes our preview of the final. I've gone Pavla Chenkova, Michael's gone for Krychikova. Uh, but now we're going to move back over to the men's side and, of course, reflect on a, a semi-final that was longer in sets, maybe a little bit less memorable. But your other French Open finalist is going to be Stefanos Tsitsipas in his first Grand Slam final. And he got past... Alexander Zverev, the German number one in five sets yesterday, just three hours and 40 minutes. So actually more sets, but a shorter match than Djokovic Nadal. Uh, the Greek won this match 6-3-6-3-4-6-4-6-6-3. What did you make of it, Michael? It really was an epic performance from the Greek, particularly in those first two sets. Maybe a little bit of a mental wobble getting pegged back to two all, but it really was an, an intriguing match. And if we did not have the incredible Djokovic-Nadal match last night that we did. I think we would definitely would have been speaking a lot more about Sitsipas Zverev because it, it was thoroughly entertaining in its own right. Yeah, uh, just before I go on to that, I was doing my, my little bit of digging. Uh, the only woman I can see that has won a first-time title uh, at the age of more than 29 was at the age of twenty. Uh, sorry, 33, uh, when Flavia Panetta uh, won, won a 2015 US Open title. There's a few women that have done it at the age of 29, uh, Schiavone, Lina, uh, two of them. But um, yeah, I think probably, um, if Pabliachenkova wins today, she will uh, uh, definitely be going onto that list of one of the oldest first-time Grand Slam winners. Uh, yeah, the, the Zverev Sitsipas match. Um, I thought it was another demonstration for me of, of how mentally strong Sitsipas is at the moment. Um, you know, to, to go two sets up, um, then to be taken to a fifth. Uh, you know, that that that's hard in any match, to be honest. Um, you know, when it's looking fairly, well, I, I say fairly comfortable. Um, I mean, he did go a break behind in that second set, uh, and, and what we won six games in a row, I believe, um, in in that six uh, that second set was it? Yeah, um, and um, you know that's remarkable. Actually, I, I can't really think of that happening that often at all, to be honest. Being three up down and then just winning it six three, um, but I think it's just another sort of chapter of the progression we're seeing in Sitsipas' mental game, to be honest. I spoke a lot about uh, him against Medvedev 
uh, in the last podcast and how impressive he was at sort of containing himself in that match. And I think he, he really did in this match as well. I think Zverev definitely made it hard for him. Um, I know we, we have our question marks over Zverev at, at times, but he, he did really well to get back in this match to be, to be two sets down um, and, and to fight back in the way that he did it. It, it was really impressive. Um, I do wonder if it's a missed opportunity for him. Sitspas is playing really well. Let's not forget, he's, he's had a fantastic year. Um, so far, it's on track to be the best year of his career. Uh, it's his first Grand Slam final as well, um, which, of course, is, is massive after the match. He, uh, he almost It was almost like a victory speech, I think my words were to you. Like He was almost in tears and sort of doing the whole, I've come from a very small place and... You know, it's been my dream and I was sort of thinking, you haven't won yet, mate. But, um, I, you know, that, I think that shows how, how good Sitspas has been. So I think, to be fair, we've got to give it to Sasha Zverev. Um, he, he did do very well to make a match of that from being the position that he was in. To lose six games in a second set must uh, must be pretty, uh, what's the word, degrading. Uh, if, if you lose six games in a row to lose a second set and go two sets down. So to be able to come back and win those next two sets, I think, are really impressive. But, um, you know, I, I, I do think Sitsabas for me was... I was never too much in doubt that he was the favourite to win that match. Um, and, and that is a testament to the air that he gives you now. He, he comes onto court uh, believing in himself and, and almost knowing in his head that he's going to win. So I think... This final with Djokovic, um, perhaps it, it's hard to say that I before the semi-finals yesterday, I would have said that I give Sitspas more chance against Djokovic in the final. After watching yesterday's match, I don't know because Djokovic was so brilliant, but there's no guarantee that we will get that Djokovic in the final. Um, so Sitspas has, has, has got to go for it. Yeah, maybe a slight hum- humble brag. I'm pretty sure that in the last episode I did say Sitsipas to go two sets up, get pegged back to two all and come through in a fifth set, which I think you, you say shows the mental toughness. I don't know. I, I think he fell away a lot in that third and fourth set. Um, Zverev's game improved, but it wasn't of stark contrast to me from the first two sets. For me, it was more Sitsipas's level fluctuated. Um in sets three and four compared to the first two because he was breathtaking in the first two sets it has to be said he was he was on, a, on another level to the to the German and, and really made light work to go two sets in the lead um, obviously coming through 6-3 in the last set he did have nerves of steel I thought serving for the match uh, I put on the Twitter I think he got four out of five first serves in in uh, after having match points I think he he might have had about five match points in the in the previous game to win that to close it out six two uh, on Zverev's serve, of course. But some really good good uh, good play from from Zverev on those match points made forced the Greek to have to serve it out. But yeah, it was ice cold in the end, finishing it with an ace in, in really good style. So yeah, I think all's well that ends well. You know, he's come out the other side of it, and he can you know he can tick that off. He's in a Grand Slam final now. But moving on to the big call, Djokovic versus Sitsipas. What's your prediction going to be? I think for me, maybe I'm looking too much into it, but Sitsipas crumbling like he'd won the title at the end of the match. Obviously, we, we can't really begrudge him that. It's his first Grand Slam final. He's only 22. Um, and it was such an emotional match, a real battle, five sets. Um, 
and he wouldn't, you know, maybe he was thinking in the third set, in the fourth set, I'm a set away from the final here. And, you know, it's, it's hard to blame him that um, that did affect his performance levels a bit. I think we're talking because of our age, we weren't able to watch Djokovic, Nadal or Federer play these matches when they were about to get into these finals for the first time or win these titles for the first time. So we, 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 don't, we can't really compare how they acted to these newer up and coming guys. Um, although from the outs- outside, obviously, it does feel like they're they're feeling it mentally a, a little bit more. But you know, we, we we don't really have that comparison point. So to come through it, you know, with with a little stutter, all's well that ends well, as, as I say. Um, but yeah, I, I'm going to have a little bit more time to ponder. Uh, are you going to talk yourself into a prediction for this one? Uh, yeah, I mean, the the head to head's not too bad for Sitspas. It's five two to Djokovic, uh, which. You know, against Djokovic isn't a terrible head-to-head to have. He was 2-1 up since the pass, actually, I believe. Um, in that head-to-head, Djokovic winning the last four matches. I've only met once in the Grand Slam before, which, of course, we haven't spoken about it yet, was that colossal semi-final last year, uh, which uh, I believe Djokovic had led by two sets. Since the pass, I think, got it back to a fifth set. Uh, and, and then Djokovic won quite comfortably in the in the last set. It was either one or love. Um I, it's hard because I want to give Sitsipas a chance. I really do. Um, but there's two things my mind casts back to. One is yesterday's match and how good Djokovic was in it. The the other is the Australian Open final. I actually thought Medvedev was going to win it. Uh, and he got completely rolled over. Uh, and I would say that it's a similar situation. Um you know, you know, Medvedev is an extremely strong player and, and potentially, you know, a, a Grand Slam winner maybe in the next year or two. Um, and I think, you know, Sitspas comes in in a similar position. There is, I wouldn't say there's all pressure off him. I, I think there are going to be people out there that believe he can win this match, uh, very much like I thought Medvedev could beat Djokovic in Australia. Um I don't know. I think I'm torn between going for two predictions. Both of them have the same winner. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go for the more optimistic one. Um, the, the pessimistic one is Djokovic rolling over uh, since passing three sets. I'm not gonna go for that. I'm gonna go for the more optimistic one, which I think since might win the first set uh, and then lose in four. Uh, which is still quite pessimistic. Uh, I'm sorry, Stefanos, that's a sort of much optimism as I can give you right now. But, uh, I, you know, if if we can be proved wrong tomorrow and Sitsipas can beat Djokovic, then that suddenly changes the whole way that I'm thinking about the top of men's tennis right now. And if Sitsipas can get that win against Djokovic and, and win his first Grand Slam title, then... That's huge. That that's that's massive considering the match that we've just seen Djokovic Nadal and um and that, yeah I don't, I don't really know what else to say. Yeah, it, it would just be huge if, if it's past one. But yeah, my, my prediction I'm I'm going to go for Djokovic in four since past to win the first set. Okay, um, I, I think the fact that if Djokovic wins this, he's just one slam behind Federer and Nadal might spur him on even more. Um, which I think it has all three of those players, hence why they've done so well later on in their careers. They've all brought the best out of each other. And so, yeah, I, I just think he'll have too much for him. One stat that stands out is Djokovic is 3-0 uh, 
on the head-to-head on clay, um, winning in a, a Masters French Open last year and then Rome, of course, this year. Um, of course, that was a rain-affected match where Sitsipas did have the upper hand uh, initially. So it's going to be interesting. I know Steph is going to bring his best game. He'll be so up for it. Um, I, I can't see him crumbling under the pressure, but yeah, maybe a bit of recency bias, just the level we saw last night. You can't deny Novak Djokovic. Absolutely incredible. I'm going to agree with you and go for Djokovic in four sets, but I think Sitsipas will take the third. So maybe a little less, uh, a little less of a contest. Um, I think Djokovic, yeah, I think maybe Sitsipas can kind of, well, he, he's had less time on court than, than Djokovic. So I think Sitsipas might have a little bit extra to go uh, deep into that match. But then I think Djokovic might just be able to go clutch in that fourth set and ride home to glory and, and, and make it that 19th Grand Slam. But it will definitely be an, an entertaining one. Sitsipas always is. Uh, you know, he's got that lovely one-handed backhand. If he can get that firing, then he might have a chance. Of course, Alvarenka's caused uh, Djokovic problems in the past. So, yeah. Sitsipas will give a good account of himself, I'm sure. A better account than Medvedev probably gave in, in the Australian Open final. But I'm going to go for Novak Djokovic in four sets. So I think we're all in agreement there. Um, unless you've got anything else to say on that, Michael, I think that brings us to the end of the episode. I think that rounds it up quite nicely. You've got the, the women's and the men's singles finals previewed. Um, I, I really can't wait for these ones. The women's one starting in just over two hours now as, as we finish recording. So I'll, I'll get this one out promptly. Um, thanks a lot for joining me, Michael. Yeah, thank you very much. I think the only other thing I, I want to say is uh, as much as I respect Djokovic for that win last night and uh, absolutely amazing. And I would like to see him challenge Nadal and Federer for that all-time slam record Uh I am going to be quite heavily rooting for Sitsipas on Sunday. I really want to see him get his first slam title because, you know, obviously we saw Team 1 win uh, win one last year, um, albeit, you know, not to take it away from him, but, you know, the big three weren't there and everything. Um, it, it's been a while now since we saw something like this. It possibly even Ravrinka beating Djokovic six years ago. I, I, I can't think of... I know Ravrinka won the US Open after that, actually. So, so maybe that um, is the last time that something like this could have happened. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's going to be an intriguing match. And, and definitely the women's as well today uh, could be really, really entertaining. Enjoy it, guys. Thanks for listening.